Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Awards Radar Podcast. As always, I'm Joey, and I'm surrounded by very fine people on both sides. Steve and Miles, uh, defend your honor now. Miles? Uh, my honor is beyond reproach, and I'm a very fine person regardless of sides. I think Miles, is uh, his honor is not beyond reproach, so uh, feel free to let the readers slash listeners in on what we're chatting about. Well, my honor is beyond reproach, but my search history perhaps isn't. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the now infamous Four Seasons Total Landscaping debacle, where uh, the Trump team gave a press conference at a landscaping spot that's in between a crematorium and a sex shop. And that led me down the rabbit hole of wondering, has someone somewhere produced Donald Trump-shaped dildos? And a quick Google search informed me that, yes, somebody has made them. They're these weird candy-colored monstrosities that just have his head, like, sticking on the end of them. They look very uncomfortable to insert. Um, I have many regrets. The the comment of the of the morning was that uh, Miles said that they're both as elaborate and cheap as you would expect from Donald Trump. So I, I was quite amused by that. Also, Steve can't talk because the blood just all rushed away from his brain after he saw it. He's... So aroused by this thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's going to stutter for the next hour, but it's fine. We have a few things to talk about today. Um, we're recording this on Sunday uh, after the three-day wave of Netflix debuts that I uh, I saw. So we'll get to a little bit about Pieces of a Woman, The White Tiger, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But before we do that, we're going to talk Filmaholic face-offs. Woo! So we've got one from Ryan, as well as a question. Um as well as a topic we're going to do afterwards, but I'm saving that. So the face-offs have a theme. You'll catch on very quickly. And it'll actually lead me into something else momentarily. So the first one is Apollo 13 or Beautiful Mind? Beautiful Mind. Apollo 13. Apollo 13. Oh, whatever. <laughs> They're both fine. I, a Beautiful Mind for me, I think it always stands out because I feel like Russell Crowe was absolutely robbed for Best Actor. Um... And I went back to, I don't know, I, I really like it. I know it's maudlin, and obviously it absolutely, you know, does a terrible job translating the real-life story. But as a movie on its own, I think it works. But Apollo 13 is great. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. Apollo 13 is just an easier watch. Yeah, exactly. You can just turn it on anytime. It's, it's an easy watch. Yeah. Cinderella Man or Frost Nixon? <sighs> That's a little tougher. I'd have to go, go Cinderella Man. I'll go Frost Nixon, so Miles got to break God the tie. damn it. Um... I I think I'm going to go Cinderella Man, actually. I, I remember yeah. standing up and cheering when I saw it in theaters and then feeling like a real lemon because I was the only one who did it. Yeah. They all looked at you and just sat down very slowly. Yeah, it was very embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, Side story to that. I was at the press screening a couple of years ago for Creed. Yeah. And we've, we've all seen Creed, yes, right? No, but I can predict the beats. Okay, so there's a the, the there's a moment in the fight, the climactic fight, where the Rocky theme plays for the first time, when he he gets up, and uh, it's a it's a very rousing moment, and many of us in the crowd jumped up, and we all kind of looked at each other like, well, it's only us here, so yeah, sure, we're fine with this. So we weren't embarrassed. It was more just like, wow, this movie worked better than we expected. As you can see now, we've got a we've got a theme. It's Ron Howard movies, which mm -hmm. no one says they love, which is kind of. Ron Howard's theme, uh, rock salad movies nobody likes. I, mean, I guess everybody likes, nobody loves is probably the way to go, except the next two we're going to talk about. The Da Vinci Code or Solo or Star Wars Story? 
It's I'm on solo because I hate the Da Vinci Code movies. They're stupid. Yeah. Was he diving out of an airplane in one? That's uh, Angels and Demons. Yeah. Ewan McGregor does. They're terrible. I did get a very good joke out of it once. I was uh, a kid, actually. I was working at a video game store. My freshman year of college, sophomore year of college, I forget. And uh, I worked in a in an area of Brooklyn that had a lot of Hasidic Jewish individuals who would come in the store to, to shop. And uh, some of the people who worked with me were not particularly uh, woke, let's say, even though that wasn't a word at the time, and uh, would make jokes. And I'd be like, oh, like, who cares? Like, just relax. Like, leave them alone. And uh, they would attempt to sort of teasingly lump me in with them. And I'm like, that I, I don't really believe in any religion. Like, I was born Jewish. I don't really go in for religion. They're like, but nah. so I, my the way I kind of shut them down is like, Consider me them if I can consider you the guy who whips himself in the Da Vinci Code. And they're like, oh. Like, it took a shitty movie reference to, like, quiet religious fanaticism, racism type thing. It was weird. I just was very amused that I pulled Da Vinci Code out my ass. Maybe we just need more shitty religious movies and the world would be a better place. I mean, Pure Flix has an entire business model based on that. That's fair. <laughs> and it's not making the world a better place. Um, going back to the show, so I think now, we're, we're all on solo, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to go. This is maybe a hot take. I don't think solo, a star Wars movie is that bad. It's not good no, per it's... se, but it is like, it's breezy. It's entertaining. I like the cast. I like, I rewatched it it's... not long ago and it's actually like pretty tall. Like I would watch it, rewatch it over like rise of Skywalker or even rogue one. Probably. It's a prequel movie. Feels like a prequel movie to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say solo as well. Yeah, I don't, and I I didn't despise it. I didn't love it, but I could easily watch it again. I have no yeah, yeah, I think I. Yeah, yeah, I think I I gave it the like mildest of thumbs up at the time. I was like, it's 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 solid. Like I, I feel like I did the same thing with um, Rise of Skywalker. Like I, if my answer was, did I like it? No, but did I have enough reasons not to like it beyond just I like my Star Wars to be different? Meh. Like it it did its job. Like. Yeah. If I if they just called it Solo and it was about some dude named Solo, like that weird action movie from the nineties, um, I would have been like, "This is fine, ridiculous, like pretty surface level, but it's an action movie." I got I got what I wanted. I just Solo made the mistake. And Skywalker does this a little bit too. Every question they answer is one I didn't want answered or care about. Like they were under the mistaken well you know, the thought that oh we need to know yeah the answers were stupid was the problem. Well, yeah, the answers aren't even interesting. How did he get his jacket? Somebody gave it to him. How did he get his name? Somebody gave it to him. How did he get his blaster? Somebody gave it to him. Like, okay, we didn't need a whole movie for that. Yeah, yeah. Or like the the reveal that there's a robot AI within the Millennium Falcon that never is referenced within the movies. Also that Lando Calrissian may or may not have had sex with. Yeah, which is fine. But like, give me that moment later on where like, wouldn't he be a little more upset to lose the Millennium Falcon because it's also his, you know, mode of transportation slash fuck toy? Like, I would be a little more upset if I was him. Yeah, He never, you know, he gets over it very quickly and doesn't seem as enthused to get it back. Like, nah, just it doesn't. If nah, you strip doesn't. away the Star Wars label, how, how does it read? Probably better. Mediocre. Fine. Like I said, like solid three star, like I'll never think about it again action movie. It's not fair. I don't. I don't think it's that bad of a movie, and I, I think that's it's unfortunate with the Star Wars films. I think some things. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of of the Mandalorian. I think it's okay. You monster. But I think that one gets raised up while others get trashed just because of the Star Wars name. Like if you took that away and you watched the Mandalorian minus the the Star Wars connection, 
I, I think it's okay TV. See, I, I I disagree. I think one of the reasons Mandalorian does so well is because it is only slightly Star Wars and works on its own. Like I know a lot of people who watch it don't watch Star Wars. They just kind of like that it's sort of Yojimbo, you know, just like or I guess Lone Wolf and Cub is probably the uh, right. Well, I like it because analogy, it feels but, to me it feels to me because unlike the past few movies, which are just their only reference point is other Star Wars movies. The Mandalorian, its reference point is the films that inspired the original Star Wars. So you get more of that Western samurai sort of duality. And I think that's sort of a refreshing change of pace compared to, well, how yeah. many more backstories can we squeeze into this thing? If you strip yeah. away Star right. Wars from it, what is the reaction? That's my question. I don't think it would get the praise it's getting. I mean, I, I think it. I think you strip away Star Wars and it gets its Emmy nomination that it got, like, the Emmys don't care about Star Wars. They've never thought about it for a second. Um, I think the thing about it, that it, it's the creative voices that are involved. They're not like the, so the thing about the movies, you look at the directors with the exception of Ryan Johnson and you got a divisive take there. You have essentially, and I'm going to leave out Rogue One just because it was directed by sort of committee by the end of it. J.J. Abrams and Ron Howard. You know, and what do they do? They can they can handle a budget. They can get it in on time and then be efficient. But they they don't really have a personality. You know, they're 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 not filmmakers that leave a personal stamp in the same way. And not to necessarily say that John Favreau is a massively personal director. I think some of his works have more personality than others. But he clearly has a take. Like his Star Wars take is like Miles said. It's like the movies that. And shows and themes that inspire George Lucas. You know, the the idea of space western, space opera. As opposed to like, well, I guess we need Ray to be someone, so let's figure out someone. You know, or even when the episodes were directed by uh, by Taika Waititi. Like, you know, nothing but personality there. So that gives me some hope for when he does the Star Wars. But, you know, I think that was partly the difference. Or just the idea of like, you know, we, we're going to hint at little things from the Star Wars universe, but not necessarily make it the only thing to hang your hat on. So that's that's sort of where I like. I, I, I think Solo is fine. I uh, I do really like The Mandalorian. Then again, I'm sitting here not having watched the first two episodes of the second season. So. Oh, my God. Get Whoops. on it. They're so good. Well, I know there's something in the second episode I'm not going to like, so I've been putting it off. Well, fine. But the first episode is like one of the best of the series. I know. I know. I'm go- I was. I think I'm going to watch it today, um, but that second episode, I'm. I need to. I need to have a conversation with someone and figure out if I can like speed through it and not miss anything. It's. I'll say this. There's some icky stuff in it, but like, in terms yeah. of like tension and you know just excitement, I think it still delivers. Is it, it? It sounds like though, from for my sake at least, it's kind of one of those like one-off episodes where the the arc of the show is not really reliant on it as much as the other ones. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you still need it to sort of connect episode one to episode three, but um, it doesn't. Um, it, it is, and I mean, yeah, that's, seems that's like half the it, show. Yeah. Half the episodes are just these one-off adventures, and then the other half sort of all actually connect to each other. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I love the the like space prison episode last last season, but that was sort of a like. You didn't need it for the story. Right. But I love the idea of let's just drop him somewhere where he's like, let's just show that he's a badass. We haven't had him be a badass in a couple episodes. You know, he uh, like he's been saved a couple of times. Let's have him do the like just complete destruction. Uh, and this does sound like the second episode is I got to get somewhere after the first episode and I got stuck and oh, shit. 
It sounds like the scene from was it the second episode with the the monster? Right. It's Just comparable for to that. a half hour. I think what I like All about right, so. the the show in terms of how it does it is because my biggest fear when they first announced it is, oh, this is going to be the Boba Fett show and in everything but name. Yeah. And he's just going to be going around. He's going to be the biggest badass in the world. And he is badass, but like he gets his ass kicked like a pleasing amount of the time so that it's not that he's invincible and invulnerable and he'll survive anything. It's that he's like barely scraping by, but that's but he's good enough to like get by in the Star Wars universe because everything on every planet is trying to kill you at any given moment. So you've got to be highly competent just to get by. And even then he's barely scraping along. And I find that kind of endearing. Yeah, no, I I, I do. I do like that quite a bit. I yeah, I remember in the lead up to the first episode coming out, I was at a press screening. I was listening to a bunch of like more comic booky related writers I think just also people like Star Wars and they were talking about it. And I guess the the initial embargo was going to lift soon. Maybe that night. I think it was that night or the next night and they were getting it sent to them that day. And everyone was assumes like, oh, so the, the first episode has to just in- introduce Boba Fett. Like that's what they're telling us not to talk about. Right. It's got to be. It's got to be. And I didn't pay it any mind. And I think it was a couple days later. I was flying to L.A. for something and I was like. People were talking about Yoda a lot. What the hell are they? And I and I looked it up. I was like, "Baby Yoda." And then I wrote, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta get this Disney Plus thing going on." So I, I came about it almost like accidentally. But, what other Star Wars series are coming out? Obi One. Yeah, there's an Obi One series. There's a series about Diego Luna's character from Rogue One, and there's one more that I can't remember. There's one other one that there's no plot to it yet, but Leslie Headland is, is That's running right. it, who made Sleeping with Other People, which is a movie I absolutely love and uh it's gonna have a female protagonist and be set in a corner of the galaxy we're not used to so i think it's it's just gonna be i think closer to mandalorian and that it's gonna be sort of star wars but also i really think this is a version of the show we haven't seen before so i'm, I'm actually most interested in hers i'm gonna rewatch mandalorian because maybe I, the hype was too much i i really wish i could have experienced it without seeing my my twitter feed just blow up baby yoda for weeks so i'm gonna give it an, another shot and try to be fair about it but the first yeah, time it, it's, a, it's a good b show i'm surprised how much people seem to love it well and the other thing too is i think maybe that praise is in reaction to how mixed the reception to the last few Star Wars movies has been, have been. I think if those had all been unanimously yeah. loved, then the show would have just been kind of another thing. But I think it feels elevated to some fans because the last few movies haven't quite scratched that itch. Yeah. And it's become the conversation topic that for the sort of masses that Rise of Skywalker didn't like, the Star Wars community really went to town in one direction or the other. But the like general public saw it and moved on with their life. You know what they should do at Disney? They should test screen these shows and films with people who just came out of comas. Long-term comas. (laughs) And don't tell them anything. No setup. Sit down and watch eight episodes of The Mandalorian. More of a response in a vacuum, uh, unlike this, being affected by the previous entries of the film series. Because, you know, The Rise of Skywalker, I enjoyed it in the theater. But, man, afterwards, you almost feel guilty enjoying it because people just dump on it. Steve's Steve's consulting company is kind of... uh a fringe thing with the whole, like, we need people in comas to provide our research. Do you also poll for elections? It'd be great. <laughs> Imagine coming out of a coma and finding out Donald Trump was the president. Put me back. Might, might go back in. 
Yeah. Speaking of uh, coma-related topics, the final uh, Filmaholic uh, face-off. Have the Grinch stole Christmas or Willow? Well, I'll say this. I haven't seen Willow. But he's but he's still going to pick it. But I'm going to pick it, yes, because I enjoy the original Grinch. You know, the uh, the Dr. Seuss, the book, and the, the animation are incredible. And what they did was an abomination. And it was actually quite creepy, the, the makeup used throughout. Just the tone of the film in general, I thought it just didn't match. Did you accidentally did you accidentally watch the porn parody? I did not accidentally. <laughs> no, I did not watch it. How the Grinch stole How the Grinch stole my ass. Chris, how the Grinch stole Chris's ass. There you go. Um I also have not seen Willow. Uh it's on Disney Plus. I've been mean to get around to it. Apparently there's a sequel. And he's thing. still picking it as well. Actually, I'm going to go with the Grinch. I agree with Steve that the animated original sort of short film is infinitely superior. And I didn't yes. actually care for the movie that much when I first saw it. Um, but kind of revisiting it, um, it's not as terrible as I remember it. I think Jim Carrey's performance goes a long way to sort of mm -hmm. elevate it. And he's got a number of bits in it that I still find pretty funny. Um, you know, the makeup is terrifying both for the Grinch and for the Who's. Um, and, you know, there's like, what is it? The Mariah Carey or Shania Twain. Somebody sings a big song. Faith Hill. Celine yeah, Dion, is that who it is? No, nope. Faith, Faith Hill. Hill. Faith Hill. Faith Hill, thank you. Um, that, yeah, it's sort of like, ugh. But um, I don't know. It's It's got a certain charm to it. It's got its audience, and I can't vouch for Willow because I haven't seen it. Okay, I'm going to reverse mine. You, you've, you've convinced me. Because there is enough Jim Carrey there, and I like the song. If you cut this film down to 30 minutes, 30 or 40 minutes, I think it would have been fine. It's just all the extra stuff with the who's. I would agree with that. But I will, because of Jim Carrey and the song, and, and, and just in general, I'm a Christmas movie guy, so uh, I'm going to reverse. And then I'll watch Willow, and maybe I'll, I'll flip again. This is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Grinch also, just because I think Jim Carrey is, is watchable in a nightmare fuel of a film. Um, but uh, I am going to mock Steve for a second, because he, uh, he, wanted, he, had a, he had a good idea about watching a film to then discuss, like, as part of the podcast going forward. So I feel like I should really assign him the How to Grinch Stole Christmas porn parody, right? This, this has to happen, right? Miles? No, thank you. I mean, I'd, ra I'd <laughs> rather hear him talk about it than actually watch it, so. That's true. Tell us tell us what the Who's do down in Whoville when you get when you get to it. <laughs> when the Who's go down on Whoville. Um, <laughs> and on that awful note. Yeah, there you go. Where where are you? Where are you, Chris's ass? Do you remember? Why do I know the lyrics to that song? That's awful. Um... And the question Ryan has, which is exactly how I'm sure he saw this going. What is the best film that is exclusive to Netflix and the best show exclusive to Netflix? Should I be a dick and just pick one that hasn't come out yet? I mean, yeah, you can. You can, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to. Um, best Netflix original. I feel like I'm behind on a lot of them, but I've, I've got one. I'm trying to remember. I mean, I'm, it might be Trial of the Chicago 7 for me, honestly. I still haven't seen it. Oh, it is available. I enjoyed Eurovision Song Contest. I don't know if it's the best. Sure. It's a lot of fun. But the uh, I'm Thinking of Ending Things is definitely up there. Oh, right. yeah, that's a good one. I, th I think The Irishman would be my second choice. I do love The Irishman. A lot of it having to do with the way I saw it. I think if you see it in the theater, that one really did benefit from the theatrical experience. Not not the filmmaking necessarily, though it is great to watch, but the like dedication of, I'm going to sit here for three and a half hours and watch this movie and not get up. 
Dick Johnson is Dead is also. Dick Johnson is Dead is phenomenal. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go ahead with uh, Marriage Story. I really like that one. Marriage Story is a great one. That would, that would be my top 10 for sure. Um, no, they're good choices. Show wise, um, I'm on Big Mouth. That's one that surprised me. I didn't want to watch it. I was turned off by the the look of the animation. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to even give this a shot. And then I was at Comic-Con, New York Comic-Con. They did a panel. They would watch the Florida episode in its entirety. And I could not believe how funny, how just everything about it. It's just, uh, it, it surprised me. It's not a show you can recommend to everyone because I think some people will be turned off and question who you are. Uh, as as a person, mm-hmm. but and it, and the way they attack the awkward moments about being a, a kid growing up and learning about yourself, and it's right there, and all all its awkwardness, yeah. it's it's so well done. I uh, I did happen to see it for an even sillier reason. A, a woman I was uh, interested in was like, "You should watch the show." I was like, "Good enough." Um, I'm very easily gotten, as you can see. But I did spread the word. I believe I showed it to Kendall. I, or I don't remember where she showed it to me. I don't. I think someone else. I don't remember wh- which who showed it to who. Someone else had recommended it to me. And I don't remember if I'd watched it. If I'd watched it, then I showed it to Kendall when she came over to hang out one night. But if not, I wanted to watch it, and she was like, "Oh, I've seen a couple episodes. They're good." So it did. Re- it did come together with people like being like, "You have to watch the show." Because initially, I don't even think I was aware of it. I think I just knew there was a show called Big Mouth, and I didn't know what it was about. But multiple people did tell me like oh it's it's your type of humor and boy were they right yeah it's 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 as funny as they come i i think mine hunter that's a good one i never saw it but i know it's supposed to be amazing oh it's no secret that i don't watch incredible. much tv it amazed me to hear that it, it was canceled there's got to be a, a petition out there to get fincher back on board well i think he's not interested is the thing yeah well, he said he was exhausted but he does have a four-year deal with netflix so if mank does well he might be able to turn that around but there's actually a lot master of none and, and stranger things are a lot of fun. i mean i i loved house of cards for a while it, it, it stops being great very quickly yeah. well, and also i feel but like i would, I would never be able to go back to it now yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's very. I, I. It would be a wild experience to go back to it now because you, you spend the first three seasons kind of rooting for him as the bad guy, and then, then you stop really rooting for him because he, once he has the power, it's not as much fun. Cause right. Keeping mm-hmm. power is way less interesting than gaining power, and by the end, you don't really like him. And I, I actually never watched the last season, which is weird because I would probably enjoy more having Robin Wright as the president, but I just, I become so like dull to it. It was a habit show as opposed to like something I'm enjoying though. I do, I do think if you can put him out of your head, just stop at the end of like season, season two. I think the first two seasons are really yeah. solid. Season three is when it started to lose me. Yeah. I, I'd say watch a little of season three just to get that like bit, like whatever. This is an old show. We're spoiling it. So the, Steve, have you seen it? I've at seen all? most of it. I, I also gave up. Yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, season one, I love the idea of like, I was a good soldier. You wronged me. I'm going to take out my revenge on you very slowly, very elaborately. Really well done season. And and ending with sort of becoming the number two was a cool idea. And then the second season progressing on that and becoming president at the end of it. Great. I think, yeah, I think actually when he when he hits the, the, the ring on the desk, you could almost end the show and be like, all right, he got what he wanted. Because I think in the um, in the British show, they went three seasons. The first two sort of followed that route. Obviously, there's not a VP, but I believe he got like a cabinet position. Right. Or shadow cap, whatever it is. And then in the third uh, series, he's uh, he's the president and his uh, 
his wife has him like assassinated to like preserve his legacy, which I guess they sort of were going to maybe do, but then they just had him die off screen. Right. At the end, they just wrote him out. Right. Well, I, I haven't seen the final season. I, I like tuned out well before Spacey actually left the show. But um, uh, my understanding is that, yeah, they they do come up with what happened to him, but it is an off screen event. I think I think he had a heart attack or something because the, well, the season before that ends with him resigning. So before that, for anyone who doesn't know this wildly elaborate show actually involves election fraud at one point. So what a timely show. But uh, he he arranges it so his wife is his vice president and then he he resigns so she can become the president and essentially pardon him for whatever and let him sort of run things from the back. But the season before the last one ends with her like not answering his call and she addresses the camera for the first time like he's been. And then I think the last season picks up, he's died and she just, you know, does her thing, What? which I'm sure is fine. But I'm just I checked out by that point. Yeah. Well, as far as um, favorite Netflix series, I'm actually going to uh, go the other way. I'm going to say BoJack Horseman. I feel like it's a show that people don't really talk about anymore and that it's one that a lot of people dismissed because the first few episodes are kind of rough. But like if you stick with it, that is one of the most profound and like fascinating depictions of mental illness and addiction and sort of the trouble with fame and all this. It's one of the best Hollywood stories I've ever seen. And they don't even call it Hollywood for the bulk of the series because the D falls off the sign. Hollywood. So they just call it Hollywood for the rest of it. Uh, Possibly the best collection of animal puns that's ever been assembled into a single media entity. Uh, great performances. It's, I don't know, there's something really shocking and heartfelt about it that you would never expect given the setup. Yeah, I, I liked it. And then I never, I watched like the first episode of season two and just never came back to it, which was a shame. I just, I, I, I eventually will watch it, but I, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I don't know what I was looking for that like didn't necessarily have me coming back as quickly, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I have that problem with TV. That's why I like endings, why I like my uh, my movies. But uh, same with Glow. I love Glow, but I'm like two episodes into season two, and I just never put it on to keep watching. They have quite a, a, a lineup of great film or great TV shows. Bloodline. Yeah. The Hill House series. Yeah. It's definitely worth a watch. Daredevil. Daredevil's great. Jessica Jones is great. I didn't. I haven't watched Iron Fist the second season because I, that was the only one of, out of the Marvel Netflix series that I could not stomach. I, w- I will say from Bojack, I did absolutely adore um, Vincent Adultman. Oh, he's one of my favorites. <laughs> Just any of the like non sequiturs of, of having a serious conversation with him. And he goes, can I have another soda? You know, all you want to do is watch adult movies. But no, that was that I did. I did enjoy that. One of my favorites is the um, oh, he's just he's just grumpy. He's uh, going through adult braces. Nope. Just regular braces. <laughs> um, speaking of Netflix, seen a bunch of Netflix movies recently. Um, we talked about Mank a little bit since then. Um, I've seen Ron Howard's Hillbilly Elegy, which uh, I guess ties into that question. Uh, not great. Not like awful. But uh, a movie I feel like is going to get hated on quite a bit. Um, they're good. Uh, Amy Adams and, and Glenn Close. But I've seen this movie a lot, a lot of times before. There's no like take to it. And I also just it leaves a bad taste in your mouth when you know the like the guy they based the movie on like J.D. Vance his memoir. He seems to be like a not great dude with some political opinions I'm not wild about. So 
I don't think that's a big deal movie. I think that was like, we need a bunch of movies. Let's throw it at the wall and see what sticks. And uh, this one is not sticking. Um, I don't know if either of you were looking forward to it. No, I saw the trailer and it was immediately like, this is not for me. And even if it's a contender, I will probably never watch it. Yeah. You're not going to miss it. Yeah, that's one of those films that I hope doesn't receive the Oscar nomination, so I don't have to feel obligated to watch it. Well, right now I have it getting one for Glenn Close. So there you go. I also saw The White Tiger. I I seem to be the only one who didn't really like it. I I just, I've seen Slumdog Millionaire, I've seen Parasite, and I like them both better. It, uh, It also apparently was, the book was like very darkly funny, and I didn't get the humor here. It seemed very kind of matter of fact. Um, it's not, again, not bad. And I liked it better than, than Hillbilly Elegy, but I, I, I didn't feel like I saw the same movie everyone else saw. I don't know if either of you saw the trailer. It's, it's, uh, it's a class, uh, issue. Like he's a, he wants to raise his status in life. So he becomes a driver for a rich family and then things happen with the family. It, it does kind of feel parasite-ish, but just the, the elaborate sort of fun of parasite in the first half is not there, at least for me. Um, we'll talk about it more when it comes out a little bit more because there'll be more to to discuss there. But um, that's January. Pieces of a Woman. Yeah, that's a January movie. So it was Pieces of a Woman, I believe, and that one people did see at some film festivals. There's a little bit more buzz there. Um, it's good. It's uh, incredibly bleak. You know, not a date movie, let's put it that way. Uh, Vanessa Kirby is phenomenal. Ellen Burstyn is phenomenal. They both could win, let alone get nominated. And I think a lot of people were sleeping on Shia LaBeouf. He's he's also really great here. Um, they, they just do his character a little dirty towards the end. But it's it's very bleak and kind of becomes a melodrama. But the first half hour or so is is incredible. That op- The opening sequence, it's, it's not one scene. It's a couple of scenes leading up to a longer scene. It is phenomenal. Um, if you don't know what happens in it, I won't say what it is. But if you do know from knowing what the movie's about... You can sort of ascertain what that scene is, and it's absolutely harrowing. Yeah, I unfortunately read a brief summary, and I was disappointed to do so. I don't. I avoid trailers usually because yeah. I feel there's no reason. If I'm going to be watching the movie, let me let me see it fresh and with uh, no prior knowledge. The um, Shia LaBeouf. Are we in the middle of the uh, LaBeoufissance? No. How do you say that? LaBeoufissance. LaBeoufissance. There you go. Thank you. I mean, that's the next movie I'm assigning you to watch. I I think we might be. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw like Peanut Butter Falcon or Honey Boy, but he's really coming back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Peanut Butter Falcon was my number two movie of the year last year. And uh, yeah, Honey Boy was great. Though I I think I don't know if I I told either of you this story, but I, uh, so I was at Film Fest 919 last year. It's in North Carolina. It's a great little film festival. And I wound up moderating a Q&A for Honey Boy without having seen the movie. Oh, no. And did like an hour, an hour and a half because they just never shut us down. I, so I wasn't supposed to do it. Um, the writer of the Florida Project, Chris Bergash, was supposed to do it. And he and I became like friends at the festival. We're just like go and do stuff. And I was just killing time with him before he did it. And we were just spent like 20 minutes bullshitting and we were getting re- He was getting ready to go on. He's like, you want to just do this with me? And I was like, you think they're going to get mad? He's like, I don't know. They're not paying me. I was like, oh, they're not paying me. So we just went and did it. And they never like stopped us. And it was wild to do an hour and a half without having seen the movie. But uh, then watched it the next day and loved it, obviously. But it was great to be like, my God, they're not catching on. They're not catching on. Woo. Is that online somewhere? Uh, Prime. No, yeah, I don't Honey think Boy's anyone recorded it. Yeah. 
But I think he meant no, the Q and A. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's on Prime. Um, I hope not. No, it <laughs> it's was a special uh, feature. Yeah. Exactly. It was. It was fun. Uh, but but also very. I I I like when I can make fun of people. You know, I I when I do the the Q and As in the city back. You know, in the before before. Remember when we used to go outside and do things? I don't. Um, I would uh, I would moderate Q and As opening weekend and. When you have an actor or a director who you can kind of have a good time with, they go so much better than the super serious, like, you know, we're going to have to discuss my art and I'm very serious about this. And sometimes the people you're expecting to be that way aren't. Like, I uh, I had only heard, like, that Jesse Eisenberg was difficult. I think from that, like, card, like the card movie, like, press day, right? Didn't he have a problem with someone? There was something going on with that. I don't remember the exact story, but I'd, I'd heard, like, you know, takes his, his shit very seriously and isn't, you know, like a joy to be around. But he and I had a great time. Like, I got to make fun of him and he laughed. Same with, with Chris. Like, not that I'd heard he was ever difficult. I just, he, uh, have you guys seen the other the other movies he and Sean Baker have made besides The Florida Project? Um, so Tan- Tangerine was popular. Starlet is not super well seen. It got like a Spirit Award nomination. Um, Chris also did Greg the Bunny, for anyone who saw that. But uh, Starlet is this really good movie, but it's about this young like girl, not young. She's 21, I think, uh, or a teenage. I don't know. She's in that age. She's legal. It's important for the movie <laughs> um, who becomes friends with an older lady. Very like cute movie, though. Towards the end, it has a like a a reveal that's uh, X rated, but that way. So it's just very out of context for the movie until you realize something else. So I made sure to recommend everyone show their parents that movie in the crowd and you just to watch him blush and be like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I enjoy when you can do that with people and sort of have a good time and not, and not get in trouble. So, but yes, Shia LaBeouf, he, uh, he is having a moment. Uh, it, the movie's not about him is the thing. Pieces of a woman. So that, that, and the resolution, of his character is a little frustrating. I don't want to get too much into it because no one's seen it yet. Besides like the festival crowd and the people on Thursday night, but, one more scene, I think he would have been in contention for a nomination. Gotcha. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I saw the the brief clip that they released back when it was having its earlier festival run, and that one's been on my radar for the rest of the year since. So I'm glad to hear it sort of lives up to that. Yeah, it's 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 a, I would say, a good movie with great performances. Because the movie almost, I, I feel like, and again, I'll, we'll talk about it more when we've seen it, Um doesn't have as much to say after the beginning like it really wants to start and start so strong but then it kind of just sort of meanders a little bit watching disintegrations of people and it's it's well done it's just the beginning is so good and you you kind of like what can happen next and what happens next is fine as opposed to great i I would equate it almost to and this is not the same thing at all if marriage story just all of Marriage Story was the first half hour. So you got all that like, oh, my God, I went through such a thing with these people. And then the next hour was kind of just like watching them like be sort of in, in a rut. I don't know. It was it. I wish there was a little more to the back end of Pieces of a Woman, but it's still very, very good. Um, and then the other one was Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yes, do tell. Which was, yes, uh, I, I liked it quite a bit. Um I don't feel like it's the best picture winner. Uh, I was, I, I, I think, I think Chadwick Boseman has a chance. He's, he's by far the star of the movie. Even if he hadn't died, I think you would leave the movie 
raving about him. Viola Davis is very good. Um, not in it as much as you would think. I think um, basically a supporting player, I think, despite being the title character. I, the song is the title character, but I, I, yeah, she's not the subject of the movie to me. It's more about, like, so it's about one day spent recording with her and her band, and Chadwick Boseman is sort of the brash, newer member of the band. He's young, he wants to have his own band, he's got ambitions, he rubs everyone the wrong way, he's a troublemaker, and the tensions that brew over the course of the afternoon. The, the studio is, is, is being problematic for her. She, you know, there's this technical problem. She has a Coke before she goes on and they don't have a Coke for like all these little things. So it just, there's more excuses for tensions to brew the entirety of the time. It's, it feels very much like a play, obviously because it is, but it is, it is very well, well done. Um, the direction I really liked. I think George C. Wolf does a very good job of making a, play-like element feel cinematic not it still feels like a play like you didn't open it up enough to not have you feel that way but the cinematography really works uh, and that's the thing i that. think you you see suffer a lot yeah i think a lot of times when you adapt the play if you just you know add in a scene where they walk outdoors so you can be like look we're in the city that doesn't do a lot for me i still i just feel like oh yeah you 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 know that was a necessity and the cinematography normally is not anything to write home about like i don't think like fences is a solid movie but i never the visuals of it never brought me in i was just you thinking know, about was, fences like, it's, where it's like the whole movie takes place in the backyard and it's just like eh, they move around occasionally but it it feels like it feels so exactly they walk in, and you just feel like they walk in the house rather, i would kind of rather be watching the play right now <laughs> exactly they, they i think there was like one or two scenes where they go you know they walk into like the city or like they're in traffic, like just to be like, Oh, we're here. And they, there's a little bit of that here, but there's a, there's little touches that help. Oh, they move around a lot more within the building. Um, there's a lot more establishing shots of outdoors, which is still kind of cheating to me, but works like for some, like the vibe you create is okay. This is just a movie that takes place in this location as opposed to, you know, this is a play, so we're locked into a location. It's little things. It's it's the it's the it's a it's one of those things where I I didn't know what to expect out of George C. Wolf. He's mainly like he's highly regarded in stage, but like the movies he's made have never thrilled me. But he's able to take you know having I guess a, I would assume fair to say a mastery of like stage and figuring out a way to make that visual, make that cinematic. So I I, I really enjoyed it. I would expect that to get nominated for picture. He could get nominated for director. Chad will get nominated for sure. He could win. Viola Davis probably gets nominated because she's Viola Davis and it's a showy performance. Below the line, it'll do well. Um, I don't know what it wins. Just because it's going to be also largely competing with other Netflix films. So they're going to have to balance out like, you know, who their favorite child is. And I don't know how they're going to do that just yet. But... It's another good one they got, that's for sure. Does it remind yeah, you of anything be... else? Go Is ahead. It... Um, I mean, there's a little bit of fences to it, because obviously it's one of August Wilson's plays about the black experience, so it's very much like firmly established in what it is to be a black man or a black woman at that time. In this case, a musician. So that's a little bit different. Um, about like the struggles of, okay, I'm a musician who's limited because of what I look like at this time. How can I break free of that? How can't I? And that's very interesting. And I haven't quite seen a movie like that before. Like it's, 
it's it's hard to explain. Like it's very, it's just very well done. There isn't like an element besides Chadwick Boseman that jumps out as above and beyond, but he is he is legitimately great. Like very like unsettlingly powerful. Um, and a character that I think if you weren't that good, you, you would be off putting. Like he's not a character. He's a character that's very hard to like. I just want to. I'm going to leave sort of things vague just because I don't know how much they want us talking about details. So until then, I'll be, I'll be a little vague. But like, there are things that go on in the movie where you're just like, oh, really? And if it wasn't, if you weren't so enthralled by the character, you'd be like, Ugh, come on, man. I'm I'm move on from him. Like I'm just not enjoying the character. But because he's so good, you 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 can do it. You can get through it that way. So it's a it's a testament to his talents. I'm looking forward Sounds to good. it. Cool. Um, Speaking, we're going to talk about a movie that uh, that more than just I have seen for a minute. We talk about Freaky for a minute. I uh, Miles gets the uh, Miles gets the gold star for the week, and he's my favorite for the week. Aww. And uh, Steve, you'll get a chance next week. You'll get a chance next week. But the reason is, I told Miles to watch movies, and he watched them. Uh, I recommended Freaky to him, so he went and saw it. I mean, he saw it in a theater, so I don't well, know. Yeah, he might he, be a awful down person. In- down in Florida, <laughs> things are a bit more spread out. So, you know, I've, I've dipped my toe into going back to theaters a few times. Uh, I saw Tenet back in September and we were like the only people in the theater. So it felt OK. Um, you know, I want to stress that for people who are living in dicier areas that, you know, it is a personal risk to go to a theater right now. But um, uh, with our situation, it felt OK. And um, but yeah, I saw Freaky on Friday, ironically. And um, number one at the box office this weekend. Yeah. Which I got to tell you, it's so surreal because I was when you mentioned that before (laughs) we started recording, I actually saw sort of the article that was like freaky dominates the box office with three million dollars. And it's like, this is yeah, three million is dominating now. That's what are we back in the 60s? I mean, I guess what's the per theater average? Yeah, well, exactly. They've got to they've got to sort of spread it out like that. Well, I guess the yeah. So the, I looked it up. So the uh, the number two at the box office is Let Him Go at one point eight million, and it's I think first week. I don't know, maybe second week. I don't know. So yeah, it it I guess accurately did dominate the box office, but it did it in. Oh, is box office Mojo going to not tell me things I want? I, I need. We hate box office Mojo now. Uh. And its per theater average was, well, garbage, actually. Never mind. Because it played in 2,472 theaters. So never mind. It made about $500, $600 a day. Oh, wow. I'm sorry, per theater. So, yeah, because it made. Well, go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, regardless, I think it's going to continue to do well because this is very much a word of mouth movie. Um, kind of similar to how um, the director's earlier movie, Happy Death Day, kind of became a sleeper hit because uh, yeah. people just, you know, kept recommending it. This is a this. I mean, I'll be honest, this is the best movie I've I mean, seen all year. <laughs> this this scratched every itch I could possibly have from a, bo- a body swap slasher movie. Um, it's probably my favorite Vince Vaughn performance ever. He's so freaking phenomenal in it, both very believing as a killer, like. He, in, there's an opening sequence where he kind of plays like a Jason Voorhees style slasher and he's got like the imposing like power walk. He's got like the creepy head tilt. He's got all the mannerisms down pat. Like if he didn't have a successful comedy career, I legitimately think he would be great in like whenever they get the next Friday the 13th movie off the ground. Um, but then, 
you know, obviously um, the whole concept is that he switches bodies with a teenage girl. And when he's a teenage girl trapped in that body, he's like as hilarious as he's ever been and probably more engaged than I've seen uh, him in a performance in a long time. I will I will freely admit this pleases me, one, because I love it, two, because I literally did spread this to him through word of mouth. I told Miles he might like this movie. Um, and also three, I, uh, well, actually, we'll get back to three in a second. But yeah, it, this movie's phenomenal. Um, though I will concede that Miles probably does need to see some more movies. Well, um, yeah, I, I say it's we'll, the best movie I've seen yeah. this year, but uh, my my list that I keep going has not even hit 15 yet. So I'm... <laughs> I've, most of them are my, from the first few months and then what I've seen on streaming here or there. Um, my list is well over 300 higher than yours. So far this year? <laughs> yeah. I've seen more movies this year than any year because they'll send them all now. So oh, I guess that makes if sense. If I have to go to the theater, I can see maybe two or three in a day at most by virtue of having to go from you know screening room to screening room. Hypothetically, I can just watch a movie every two hours the entirety of the time I'm awake. Well, I don't. I, I wish I had that good time. I mean, I wish I had more things to do with my life. But listen, we can. The we grass can have is that always green. Conversation later. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so, so Steve, the reason I uh, I also brought this up was I then asked. I had mentioned that I, I thought this was one of Vince Vaughn's best performances. Then referenced two other good performances of his: Swingers and Brawl in Cell Block Ninety Nine. Miles responded he hadn't seen either of them. I then said, oh, you should watch them. We'll talk about them on the podcast. So he did it. So we can we can discuss them. Steve, first of all, have you seen either of those films? I have seen Swingers. I have not seen Brawl and Cell Block. Excellent. So we will we will talk about Brawl second so we can explain it to you. Uh, Steve, you can start off on Swingers. You probably saw it closer. to. Did you see it when it come, came out or was it like when it hit VHS and DVD? When did I think you it was VHS. come across it? Yeah. Yeah, I I saw it in my like very first wave of like I'm buying DVD watching, so I was probably I don't know, thirteen, let's say, fourteen. Like I was a teenager. And I was definitely younger than the you know I was I was a solid age amount younger than the characters in the film. But uh I was taken with it quite a bit. What how did you like it when you saw it the first time? Oh I loved it. You know, it was uh good age for me. The uh a lot of it yeah. Made sense, especially, you know, the, the classic scene on the phone, the awkwardness. Oh, of, my God. Uh, oh, I've lived that. I've so lived good. that many a time. Luckily, now you, you can hit one or whatever the number is and erase your terrible uh, voicemail. But I really wanted to make the joke that Steve's still making awkward calls to women, even though he's been married for quite a long time. I am. It's my wife, usually. <laughs> no, he said usually. He said usually. Um, though my, my favorite um, voicemail story I have is that... Um, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm sort of friendly with Bruce Dern. I swear this isn't me bragging. This this is a, a, a funny thing. And I don't know how often you guys have had voicemails left by older people. If you have a grandparent or something like that, who don't really understand how voicemails work. So I have at least one, if not two or three voicemails from him that uh, I, I learned through Bruce Dern that there is a limit to how long you can leave a voicemail on an iPhone. <laughs> I think it's three minutes. And it hangs up on them. And every single time he calls, he's getting to the point he called about when it hangs up on him. Oh, no. <laughs> every single time it's. So the reason I called it, click. You know, I, I just called to say beep, beep, beep. 
because it's always something about like baseball and then the movie shoot he's on and then asking how I am and then oh I meant to ask about beep so I I, I kind of almost wish you could remake that swinger scene with Bruce Stern doing it it would be uh, it would be a much longer scene because every single time he calls it would be three minutes so it would be a, it would be like that scene in a ghost story where she eats the pie it'd be very uh, indie but I, I'd be into it but uh Miles saw the movie for the first time yesterday, I believe. Oh, wow. Yeah, yesterday morning. I basically woke up and, you know, got some tea and then just sort of sat down into it. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It definitely felt like part of that sort of mid-90s string of indie movies when you were getting sort of Tarantino's early stuff, you know, early Soderbergh, um, uh, David O. Russell, things like that. It felt very much of a piece with those kind of movies. Um Parts of it haven't aged super well. Uh, there's a lot of that toxic masculinity mm. we like to talk about. Um, almost not quite f- as intense as something like Fight Club, but a similar vibe in terms of, you know, that sort of bro energy. Um, yeah, well, at least Fight Club, whole... you can, you can, I was going to say Fight Club, at least is tongue in cheek about it. Like they're, they're satirizing it while also embracing right. it. Whereas this so one, like, either this one yeah. feels a bit more sincere about it, whereas Fight Club is obviously a parody. Yeah, well, I say. I think I told you, and I, yeah, I mean, yeah, you say obviously, and then there's a third of the country who thinks it's a very earnest depiction of it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think uh, the way I look at it now, and I haven't revisited it in a couple of years, but I've watched it in the last like five or six years. They're 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 of an age where this is not uncommon, and you hope they're they've learned better. Like they're good people in the movie. Like they're not. I. I'm, I don't think any of them are, are, are dicks like overtly like they're they're guys in their 20s mm-hmm. and you you would I would like to think that if they made swingers too they would have almost all grown out of it and I think it's also just the movie has a lot of affection for being that age so it doesn't like take a critical eye to feeling that way like I think if you made that movie today with them acting that way it would be a drama and you'd be like angry at these people the whole time you know, get your head out of your ass and, and stop thinking that way. But because, you know, I'm sure John Favreau felt similar at that time, you know, he wrote it with the vibe of, you know, we were, we were, you know, kids who didn't know any better, but also like we were kind of having a good time and we're not like, you know, so there's, there's something about like watching it, thinking about what it was like in the nineties to live that life, then write that movie, then make that movie that doesn't, that you have to take into account at least somewhat because if you're watching it with a 2020 mindset yeah it's not gonna work but it oh, is yeah, totally. notable at least for yeah it like you said it's a it's a 90s indie movie so it's it's got elements of all the like 90s indie movies you know it has the the tarantino and even i would say kevin smith idea of like yeah what have you never what have we never seen a movie do just have conversations like how many movies up until then just showed someone playing video games Without it being like, what a revolutionary piece of technology, you know, like a war games thing where you had to like make a whole thing of like, oh, we can play a video game on this. Oh, we can. Yes, we can. Come on, let's do it. They're just playing Nintendo. You know, that's a that's a thing. Well, so it's kind of there's hilarious. a lot of they're, little stuff. They're even talking about like, oh, they changed this feature. Oh, that's different from the old one. It's like the old one. And they're exactly in like 1995. It's like, oh, goodness gracious. Yeah, they're playing a game. They're playing a game just because it's the thing you can do. Like I, I like right. that. That's a thing. You know, I have no idea if Favreau and 
got him. Spa- um, spacing on the director's name. Uh, Lehman. Doug Lyman. Smith. Lyman. Doug Lyman. Doug Lyman. There we go. Well, like, I have no idea if they thought about that at all. If it was just in the script and a fun thing to do, but it is like really a good moment of just like, oh, this is yeah. establishing the time period. We're not addressing it as like revolutionary technology. I mean, granted, it is also in a scene where they where they kind of do the, I guess, the most awful thing they do in the movie when they mock the delivery guy. Yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty gross. Yeah, but I think it's supposed what? to be gross. I think because. Yeah. Well, and the one thing, the thing that totally redeems it for me is by the end of it, it does sort of, you know, Favreau's character has his arc and Vince Vaughn's character who up until this point, you know, he's he's a little goofy and he's not always right. But he's sort of been portrayed as like, you know, this sort of this more wise mentor character, at least when it comes to picking up women. And then he has that moment of embarrassment at the end where it's like, oh, OK, maybe he doesn't really know what he's talking about. Um, yeah, so the, I think the, it, it, the does, sage, the, it does step back a little bit and objectively say, like, OK, maybe this all isn't the best way to be. Uh, um, so I appreciated yeah, this, that. One this, of the uh, one of the most surprising and kind of funny uh, little moments, I thought, was um, when because uh, there's the Ron Livingston character who's sort of having this internal debate about whether to be goofy at Disney World. And it's kind of fascinating hearing Favreau talk about Disney and uh, all that kind of stuff, considering you look at him now and he's almost synonymous with Disney between Mandalorian, yeah. between all the Marvel stuff he's done, between Jungle Book and Lion King. Like he's kind of one of Disney's main guys right now. So it's interesting to look back and see him. He doesn't quite disparage them, but he comes real close. Oh, he walks that line. Fair enough. But yeah, it's a it's a it's a really good Vince one performance, which then yes. you take a hard 180 when you go into Brawl and Cell Block 99, which we'll, we'll, we'll explain to you. Um, so there's a filmmaker called S. Craig Zoller. He, uh, he, I believe, was an editor and an actor. Made a film called Bone Tomahawk, which, which kind of uh, took the indie world a little by storm. Didn't make a ton of money, but it was one of those movies that if you saw it, you had to tell someone about. And we actually right. told you about it before we started. Um it's a Western, ostensibly. Uh, it takes a horror turn in the third act. Includes one of the more graphic bits of violence you'll see in a movie. Uh, and the fact that it's such a, like, low-key Western until then, it's such a weird turn that I think that made people so interested in this guy. Like, who is this guy and why did he make this movie? Um, and that's sort of been his career. I think uh, he's now three movies, and he made Brawl and Cell Block 99. Then he followed up with Drag the Cross Concrete. His titles are phenomenal. Uh, but he makes movies where you go, like, that was violent, and who is this for? And Bone Tomahawk was for, uh, I think, genre fans. Brawl and Cell Block 99, much thinner amount of people it's for, and Drag the Cross Concrete is almost for no one. Um, though they're all good to one degree or another. But... Uh, I will say I think this might be Vince Vaughn's best performance outside of Freaky. Right. I mean, I would lean towards Freaky, but um, he I mean, it's a very different performance for him. Certainly, um, he, it's much more physical. He's got kind of a Texas drawl. Um, he's got for some reason and they never elaborated on the mo- on it in the movie. And it's the most frustrating thing while I was watching it. He's he's bald and he's got this giant like cross tattooed on the back of his head. 
and no one in the entire movie ever comments on it. Nobody acknowledges yeah. it. Like they're just, it's like, it's almost like if, you know, a, your, the main character of your movie had antenna or, you know, had like a third eyeball or something and just nobody acknowledged it. It's so bizarre. Uh, and it is a talky movie. So uh, this is a, so here, um, Miles, you, you, you give the sort of elevator pitch of the movie, like the first act setup, and then I'll take over. Right, right. So the basic thing, well, first off, it's over two hours, and there's no goddamn good reason it should be that long, but... Um, it is, uh, I believe it's uh, far, it's now, it's two hours and like 15 minutes or something like that. It's a very long movie. Yeah. Um, so basically, the whole setup is that Vince Vaughn's this sort of working class guy who gets fired. He finds out that his wife's been cheating on him. So he's like, okay, we've got to, you know, reassess our lives and sort of figure out what we're going to do. So uh, he takes uh, a job as like a drug runner. Hey, wait, 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 back up, back up, back up, back up for a second. This is a movie where, so he was a criminal, mm-hmm. Steve. Like, he was a criminal. He went straight. He's like a mechanic or some shit. Doesn't really matter. Gets fired, finds out his wife cheating on him, has a very measured reaction, then goes outside oh, he be- he and beats, beats the his- ever-loving he- shit out of her car. He beats her car to death. He, with his fists, like, I, beats a car to death. Which I didn't think was possible, because I thought cars were inanimate objects. But I think he beats it to death. Yeah, there's a very long and protracted scene where he just, like, dismantles the car piece by piece. And it's like, it's not, qu- like, he's methodical about it, which is the interesting thing. And I guess that foretells some of his actions later in the movie. Uh, but yeah, so you're right. He's got this criminal background. Apparently, he's a former boxer. Uh, And then he sort of got in with the wrong element, but he's tried to go straight. He doesn't grow his hair back for some reason, which I think would go a long way towards helping with that. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so because they're in a financial tight spot and they still want to have a family, uh, the wife had a miscarriage. They're still recovering from that. Um, And so they um, and so he goes back to a, a former employer and sort of become a drug runner hard cut to 18 months later and he and his wife have this new beautiful house that they've got with the drug runner money um he ends up helping his boss with this sort of new deal with his new partners the whole thing goes sideways and long story short he ends up going to prison for it and he's sentenced to seven Wait. years two things about i'm not gonna that. go Once through the whole pregnant. goddamn movie beat by beat joey well, no, it's this important, is such, it's important this is such a niche about. fucking movie i'm not gonna go through it beat no by beat. but it's, it's important for something i want to say one she's pregnant so that factors into something in the movie. And to when the things go wrong, like he makes a point of helping the cops against yes, the other correct. like bad guys. Yeah, that plays in because when he goes to jail, the cops make a big stink of like, you could have been a cop. Like, you you know, you're a good person. Like they real it's a it's a little icky because they're they're sort of making a gesture that he's a white person. You know, there, there's the racial dynamics of this movie are not great. Right. You know, his his gang is his gang is different looking than the other gang. But the the crux of the movie, that's what makes this movie weird, is that this is all set up that could be five minutes long. And it's a solid like 45 minutes to an hour of the movie. He uh, he essentially gets put into jail, is planning to do his time without any like fuss. Then um, is it his gang or a different gang comes to him? Uh, it's a representative from the gang that his people had teamed up with so it's udo kier who visits him in jail and basically is like hey we need you to kill this guy uh to sort of repay your debt because you screwed us over if you don't we're going to do something really horrific to your wife's unborn baby and we're not going to get into the details here because it is queasy but it is it is a hell of a threat 
Yeah, so he has to start, like, basically uh, violently getting put into a version of solitary confinement. So he um, breaks a guy's arm, like, very lo-fi, like, but at the elbow and, like, a whole 90 degrees the wrong way, it's incredibly uh, gross. And then proceeds to get put into this worst of the worst area where then he has to fight his way to this bad guy. It's just absurdly violent. But what's wild is how well he's acting in it. Like it's a movie that you didn't need Vince Vaughn in. Like you could have put anyone like honestly, like, and this is nothing against Danny Trejo could have been Danny Trejo. Yeah. I wouldn't, you know, would have been, you know, probably would have been a 90 minute, like direct to DVD movie that we would have watched him in like, this is a little better than uh, I was expecting. Like, any imposing person would be fine in this movie. But there's something about giving it to Vince Vaughn. There's not a lick of humor in it. But he's so imposing that you do kind of want to see what happens next. And uh, if you can imagine a violent way for someone to die, this movie has him do it. Because he starts killing a lot of people in this prison, which is poorly run, I gotta say. Oh my god. it's yeah. Well, first off, so he gets sent to this maximum security sort of second prison... Um, the warden is Don Johnson, who just strolls onto the scene with a cigar and sunglasses like he's a villain in an Expendables movie. Um, and then, you know, he gets put through all this torture stuff. He fights some more people. And yeah, there's a scene near the end where he he smashes like four faces back to back to back to back. It's outrageous. Yeah, he caves people's face in with his like boot. It's rough. Um, so thank but, thank you, Joey, for for getting me to watch that. It's it's one of those movies where like it's very well made. I love to- Bone Tomahawk, and that one I think the genre trappings help it a lot because as a director, he's very good with dialogue. He's very good with actors. Like even if they can feel a little stagey sometimes, it does. It's always compelling filmmaking. But with Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine, you get to this point where first off the racial tensions are a little. A little queasy there's a line where he's he's in the prison yard with some uh latino sort of gangbangers or whatever and uh one of them calls him gringo and he's like don't call me a foreigner last time i checked the flag wasn't painted red white and burrito and i was just like "Ooh, ugh. yeah so i i've i've long suspected that so there's been a debate between people who like so his third movie direct cross concrete is the one where mel gibson's like a corrupt cop him and Vince Vaughn. So there's there's been a sort of debate about is Zoller like a right wing guy? Like is he does he believe the stuff his characters are saying or is he kind of trolling everyone or is he and I think the answer is I don't think he is but I think he's not as articulate when he's trying to like play that voice. That's my guess and maybe my hope that uh, you know when he's putting the voice of the of the other side so to speak he doesn't uh, do it as artfully as, as some of the other lines. Cause he, he does make like the violent, like threats of the movie, like almost poetic. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about that scene where Udukir explains what their Korean doctor is going to do to the baby. <coughs> it's awful. It's the single worst thing in the movie, even though you never see anything, but the concept of it is so yeah. ap- like well-realized that you're like, Oh my God, that it's, it's almost art. Like it's like horror <coughs> art. Whereas, you know, Red, White, and Burrito is like the first draft icky. of something where you... Yeah, it's I, and I, maybe he's going for that, but the only other issue with that is, you know, you do want to, like, at least somewhat root for Vince Vaughn. Granted, he's well, doing that's the thing, things. Is that and, it, it imme- like, regardless of violence and regardless of his criminal background in the situation, 
you are still more or less sympathetic to him because he's clearly, you know, he wants the best for his family. You know, he's got a bad past, but he's trying to do right. He's he's always motivated in the right direction, even if he makes some bad choices. But then he throws that line out there. And I don't know if it was just to rile them up or what, but it's like it's such an immediate turnoff and it kind of comes out of nowhere yeah. for him. Is this an yeah, it's not consistent with character. Is this in solid B, B movie territory? It should be. Sort well, of. That's what I was telling Joey earlier. Is it's too well made. <laughs> that's the problem. It's too well made. It's because it's two hours and 15 minutes. If it was a solid 90 minute, like kind of grindhouse-y kind of movie, I think it would probably find a bit more of an audience. But because it's so, like it's over an hour before he gets to the first prison and then he spends like 30 minutes in the first prison and just to go to another prison. And it's like it does take a really long time to sort of get to the I hesitate to say the good stuff. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of they add layers where like a grindhouse movie wouldn't. So like the first like real bit of violence besides the shootout at the beginning is he, he like I said, he breaks this guard's arm. And this is a guard who's been very nice to him, like kind of like takes the perspective of you really shouldn't be here. Like you used to be a boxer. Like I run the boxing in the gym, like in, in the prison, like let's get you doing that. We'll make the time go by. Like, you know, you'll have maybe you'll be able to box when you get it. like really takes an interest in him. And when he has to just like destroy this guy's arm, he doesn't look like he wants to do it. And he seems to feel bad about it. But then you fast forward to like the racial thing. And then some of just the like straight up murder he commits later on, it's not quite as uh, I don't know. You're not left with as good a feeling. <coughs> left a bad taste in my mouth in that sense. But I think it's it's one of those movies where it's it's a good movie in the sense of it's well made, and it definitely does what it sets out to do. But I think Miles said it really well yesterday when we discussed it. But he's like, I can't imagine who I'd recommend it to, and I was like, I can think of one person. It was you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like as a gore hound, you know, the gore effects are definitely pleasing, but it's there's there's an ickiness to it and a sleaziness to it, maybe that I feel like is at odds with how artfully made most of it is. And I feel like it doesn't quite find that tonal consistency. When Miles makes his sleaze, he puts very little art into it. Well, you you know, it's. (laughs) <laughs> you, you either go all sleaze or you use sleaze as a flavor but here it's like yeah. you know I'll I'll be on the art side for 90 minutes and then suddenly dunk my head into the sleaze and then pull right back up and it's like wait what I don't know why I have this vision of you wearing like a cape and like a top hat like the wizard of sleaze wizard kind of, of thing sleaze. listen I'll take it yeah coming next summer god but yeah so this was a uh, I, I was just fascinated to hear the response because it is a movie that generates conversation. And I mean, God knows we just did 10 minutes on it. But uh, especially with Vince Vaughn, like his imposing nature there is done all for dramatic effect and all for, you know, just tension and, and, and the griminess of it. Whereas in Freaky, you get a hint of it, like I said, and like Miles said, would be a great Jason. And then the way he then plays it against it as when he has the Catherine Newton in his body, like he, he, he keeps hitting like tree branches because she doesn't <laughs> realize that she's like a foot and a half taller than she used to be. Like at one point she's like, Oh God, I'm a giant. Like just, it really is well done. And then the funny part about freaky is the horror aspects. It's plenty violent too. Like it's as gory as brawl and cell block. Well, and here's, I think the important distinction, because there are some 
really gory kills and freaky. But unlike in Cell Block, yeah. where they just make your stomach turn in kind of an unsettling <clears throat> way, here it's like fun violent. Like, again, it takes me back to like the Friday the 13th movies where like you kind of applaud the sheer creativity of the kills. Like there's an amazing yeah, the wine bottle. sequence. The wine bottle is great. The tennis racket is great. There's an amazing one uh, with a woodshop teacher that I won't spoil. Um, well, I'm really excited uh, about this. I, I didn't expect much out of it. I saw the trailer and I thought it, it was going to be one of those Netflix or, or rentals. I knew nothing about it. Yeah. Um, and I also didn't hadn't seen Happy Death Day. So I didn't really know that like Christopher Landon is sort of a, a budding like, oh, if you love horror, like, he makes a movie. You want to look forward to it. I'd seen like he wrote most of the sequel paranormal activity movies and then he directed one of the ones that I think I gave up on the franchise on. So like nothing about him had like basically made me excited about this, but apparently I've been missing the boat on happy death day and the sequel. Yeah, they're pretty um, good. Our own Kendall also, as well as miles was like, you need to watch them. Yeah. So they're definitely worth a watch. Honestly, that, yeah, I, I I'll get them eventually, but yeah, this was my introduction. Where does this sit in the ranking with horror movies over the last, say, three or four years? Well, I'd say it's easily one of the best slasher movies of the last. I mean, I know you weren't a big fan of the 2018 <clears throat> Halloween, but um, as far as just like a core slasher movie, it, it scratches every itch you could possibly imagine, uh, in addition yes. to being a really good comedy and actually having some surprisingly heartfelt moments in it. Like there's an amazing scene where uh, the girl in Vince Vaughn's body has like an accidental heart to heart with her mother. And it's actually really emotional and like surprisingly poignant. Um, there's also there's also a wonderfully ridiculous scene where she's in his body and talking to her crush. And uh, what's wild about it is, you know, in almost every other movie, he would be like repulsed and be like, Ugh. but the dude is kind of like into it. And I was way into that. They're like, he's he's kind of into her, even though he's she's in the body of a middle aged man who I don't think smells very good. Leads to a really funny moment, but I won't spoil it. Yeah. But yeah, as far as uh, I mean, it's not I wouldn't compare it to like the more quote unquote prestige horror sort of movies. You know, <clears throat> your A24s, your, you know, The Witch and uh, Hereditary and The Lighthouse mm -hmm. and stuff like that. But it is um, as far as like it's just a fun movie. And I think that's what sort of puts it ahead is like I guess it's not scary scary in the traditional sense but it, if you enjoy the sort of genre trappings i think there's just so much enjoyment to be had from it he says that now watch this is number one of the year it, i mean it is right now it may continue to be if nothing else impresses me what's number two that's a good question let me check my list <laughs> do, 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 do. okay so here here's my top five of the year so far you guys ready all right yeah. Number one is Freaky. Number two is Palm Springs. Number three is I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Number four is The Invisible Man. And number five is Bad Education. All right. So let's see. So Bad Education barely counts because it's well, it came movie, but I'll count it. So so let's see. Uh, Palm Springs is my number eight. Invisible Man is my number 11. Uh, Bad Education is 21. And what was the other one I'm thinking about? Uh, Freaky is 26. And I'm thinking of anything is 31. So they're all around my top 30. Well, if you've seen like 300 movies, then yeah, I'm probably within the range of still the good stuff. 
I have seen, <clears throat> and granted, I cheat a little bit because if I saw something last year and didn't come out until this year, I include it. So sure. like, and then I I also include um, I Love You, Daddy, the Louis C.K. movie that'll never come out because I saw it like three years ago. So until it comes out, every year it's on there. But like, I saw <clears throat> a rainy that'll day in New York last out. year on a. Pl- I know I'm one of like a hundred people have seen it. It's kind of crazy. Um, uh, a rainy day in New York I saw last year on a plane. And it finally came out like this week. So, but I have seen, so including, let's say like a dozen movies from last year slash whatever, um, 339 films. It's impressive. Number one still is never, number one still never rarely, sometimes always. Um, hey, you want to know my worst of the year? Yes. Cause we'll never talk of them again. <laughs> <clears throat> my bottom 10 is, uh, Liberté, which is, uh, this, um, I can't, I don't, I think it's a French movie. I don't remember. But I saw it at uh, NYFF last year. It's like two hours and 15 minutes long. And it's about like an orgy in the woods. But it's just gross. Like it sounds like it should be like wild. But like there's like defecation in it. There's unsimulated sex. Ooh. Like it, it's just awful. Uh. Uh, and I'm not like not f- fond of unsimulated sex. Like yes please, but no. Um, here, I'll give you the premise. So keep in mind what I told you. It just sounds like a like an awful thing, right? Here's the premise. 1774, shortly before the French Revolution, somewhere between Potsdam and Berlin, Madame de someone or other, the Duke of something or other, uh, libertines expelled from the puritanical court of Louis XVI seek the support of the legendary someone, a German seducer and free thinker, lonely in a country where hypocrisy and false virtue reign. Their mission is to export... The basically Beeman Libertine, a philosophy of enlightenment founded on the rejection of moral boundaries and authorities, but moreover to find a safe place to pursue their errant games where the quest for pleasure no longer obeys laws other than those dictated by unfulfilled desires. What a wildly upscale way of describing there's an orgy in the woods and they shit on each other. Oh my god, I'd never want to watch that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guess what you're watching next week? Who's the demographic for that? No, I won't. uh nyff it got good reviews fecal fetishists i i'm pulling up the other reviews in a minute um other movies i didn't like ball buster which is a uh jerry o'connell basketball comedy um he's like a asshole gets like kicked off his team so he has to like go to like a special needs team to like it's it's awful it's all the like worst like cringe comedy they do that joke where you like you like you like shit, like play with you, like like take like ball sweat and call it from under cheese. Like it's gross. It's an awful movie. Has no redeeming qualities. It's only better than Liberty just because I hate that movie so so much. Um, there was a movie at Tribeca that I hated called um, Gully. Just was violent. Uh, the last thing he wanted that Netflix movie that nobody liked. That was awful. I uh, I hate that one. Uh, Guns Akimbo was terrible. Though I think Miles, you might have liked it. I, I haven't it. seen it yet. I've heard very mixed things about it. I think I still want to check it out, but it's interesting that it's that low on your list. Yeah, it didn't help that the uh, the director. Um, oh, like, he's I've he heard like he's be, kind of a trash yeah. guy. Yeah, he became like an asshole. Like, like I, I don't remember. Didn't he like I don't remember what he did, but it was bad. 
I don't remember exactly. I, what I think it was. he just There's made some comments about like gamers being shitty people or something like that. I can't remember the specifics. No, it was it was it was um, it was about like someone else. I think it might have been like female gamer. It was bad. It was bad enough oh, that okay. I wasn't like. There are people who didn't review the film because of it. I, I had already seen it to review it, so I don't I don't think I addressed it. But I I was like, this is it's not a good look for you, mm-hmm. sir. Like I would I would reestablish your values. Like. Not also his movie sucked. Uh, the Fantasy Island remake, yeah, no surprise. Was terrible. The latest Grudge movie was terrible. Doolittle was terrible. Um, the Postcard Killings was like a, um, like a serial killer, like just garbage. Like Jeffrey Dean Morgan would have been direct to video in the old days type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artemis Fowl, it's pretty bad. So yeah, those are that's probably like a. How did they mess up the the, the Fantasy Island remake? Because it became like a weird like horror thing, but it just there was like other shit going. And nothing, none of it was good. Was the problem? Like I like make Fantasy Island and just make Fantasy Island, or if you're gonna make Fantasy Island a horror thing, like lean into like the horror of Fantasy Island as opposed to like just kind of like there's a conspiracy kind of thing. It, it didn't know what it was doing. Was the problem? And you need to have a take, is what I think. Like, you need to just have a reason to be making something called Fantasy Island as opposed to, like, oh, we can, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so here, um, 68% positive on Rotten Tomatoes with Liberté, including my one-star review. Wow, I wrote a very upscale poll quote. <laughs> I'm proud of myself. Mixing the innocence of a bucolic setting with the filth of hardcore pornography, Liberté is a punishing experience with no redeeming qualities whatsoever. Oh, That was more well thought out than what I'd said before. <laughs> the critical consensus is it may prove more tedious than titillating for some, but Liberté boldly blurs the line between filmgoer and voyeur. Does it, though? There are 34 reviews... 11 rotten. So, I guess I can't win them all. But yeah, so. Uh, I'll leave my top 10 to be revealed later on. But I do briefly want to bring up something. Um, I, I, uh, I'm I getting talked about on Reddit, guys. Congratulations. You're basically a celebrity now. Can I get an autograph? I know. I think it's all downhill from here. So, uh, 10 bucks. Oh, one second. Five? All right, I'll do five. Oh, he's, oh, you're Venmo. All right, cool. Great. Um, so for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, I had uh, tweeted something a while ago about a movie that I'd seen. One that I, uh, I can't quite uh, talk about just yet. And uh, I guess I was, I was very um, bold in my comment about it. Uh, the uh, so the tweet that I had, I had put out on uh, October fourteenth was I just watched a movie I'll never forget not just one of twenty twenty's best but an instant classic super embargoed so can't say more but I can't begin to explain how much I want to shout from the rooftops about it more later now in parentheses I say and I'm not the only one who feels this way but wow so obviously uh, people went to town in October guessing about what it was. And uh, the uh, the general consensus was Mank, which it obviously wasn't. So uh, there's a there's like a, I guess a subreddit in the Oscar race theme about uh, my tweet, and now with all the things that 
every time I see something, people then change their guesses. Ma Rainey was a popular guest recently. So uh, I'm curious. Um, I think both of you know what it is. But when you when you read my tweet, does that uh, – could you guess what it was? Because there, there is a hint in there. But I guess uh, I, you know what I'm getting at. And I think people are looking at the wrong angle on it. So I'm just curious what you think about – the wild guesses of like prom and the midnight sky and Judas and the black Messiah and the card counter and all that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have, I, I think I, as soon as I saw the original, uh, tweet, I immediately messaged you. and was like, Hey, Hey, what is it? And you told me, and I was like, oh, okay, it's without giving it away. It is something that I was very excited for. So I was happy to hear it, but I probably would not have guessed it. Yeah. When I first See, read it, I think I guessed it based on previous conversations though. So it's kind of unfair. Yeah. You guys are in, in a privileged position because I tell you things I'm seeing and then I get yelled at for bragging. But, uh, but no, I, uh, it is amusing that a lot of people. So I, so, so there are people who guess every single time and somebody, uh, I guess I, I said recently, um, yeah. Cause somebody said, uh, Oh, you just saw this tonight. So it eliminates my rainy. You know, with five still embargoed major films, The Prom, Midnight, uh, The Midnight Sky, News of the World, Judas and Black Messiah, United States versus Billie Holiday. Either we're really overlooking something or this won't be solved till early 2021. I said, you may be, you may well be overlooking something. Play your cards right and there may be a Thanksgiving reveal. Um, mainly because I believe I'm allowed to talk about it on Thanksgiving. But uh, I think they took the card thing to mean card counter, which uh, nobody's seen. So it's not that. So I, I, I just kind of find it amusing that the thing that I say is a hint nobody's grabbed onto yet. So if you're uh, if you're also guessing and you're listening to the uh, podcast, you, you have not gotten the hint yet. So I'll just leave that there. Um, is there a hint that either of you want to give that you feel like won't spoil it but would make things a little interesting? Uh, don't think about it in terms of potential Oscar contenders. See, I, I somewhat disagree. I, I, it is an Oscar contender, but I think, uh, yeah, I think, or, or what you would think, think, what you would think of in terms, like without knowing necessarily how good it is. Cause having seen the trailer for this film, it's something that I'm excited to see, but it's not something that immediately screams out. This is going to get nominated for a bunch of things. Yeah. I will say that I'm not the only person who speaks of this as an Oscar movie, though. So it is an Oscar movie. Oh, well, I stand Just in it. content, in content, yes, it's a it's a it's a broader um, grab for voters. Well, let me put it this way: than, in a uh, normal year where everything that was going to come out did come out, it may not be in the conversation as much as it now will be. Would that be fair? Yes, and yes, in a normal year, it would be a I'm going to say two category play. I think that's a fair one. Now, there's more possibilities. May still only be a two-category play, but there's definitely possibilities. So, more to come soon. And uh, it's a movie we will definitely be discussing because I can't wait to talk about it. So, uh, I would say not the next episode, but the episode after that. Maybe even next episode. We'll see. I haven't decided yet. I'll get some more clarification about when I can talk about it. So something to look forward to. 
in the meantime, we're going to wrap up. But I will say that I would like people to check out Miles' article that went up a couple days ago, now that you're reading this, about uh, his movie making. Uh, if you uh, And feel free to, to let him know what you think. I'm, I'm sure he would be curious even if you don't care for them. Or maybe he's not. Miles, what if they don't like them? Uh, I mean, listen. <laughs> some, some of the <laughs> keep your rotten mouth if shut. If you're reading it, if you're reading it, and you're actually doing the due diligence to research some of the older movies I'm talking about, you know, your mileage may vary. I'm not going to pretend any of them are worth following up on unless you're very, very curious. But I would at least watch um, the piece or the film that the article is promoting, which is American Exorcist. It's currently on YouTube. It's the film I've made that I'm the most proud of. And um, thank you, Joey, for indulging me the uh, Microsoft Word six page long article uh, to take a trip down memory lane and sort of look at um, my filmmaking experience and how it sort of got to that point. Listen, I gotta gotta help a brother out, and uh, and yeah, no, it's interesting to uh, I think no matter what level filmmaker you are to to hear about the experience. Like when I you know when we interview these uh, these A list directors or close to it, you know they they all started somewhere and they all have a, a story to tell. So I'm I'm curious to hear you know the the various differences and similarities. Like I'm sure you could read. Uh, your piece and then listen to you know an interview with with pick your director that we've done and and find comparable things you go oh really that's uh that's surprisingly similar and and that's that's interesting to me so you know not a big deal but i will uh, wrap up and say for next week should we try to have something like a new mo- like a thing like the Vince Vaughn thing to talk about besides Steve's porn parody deep dive? Uh, no more Trump dildos. Let's do something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're retiring that. But if you've got a porn parody you'd like Steve to watch, leave, it, leave us a message and let us know. That's what, that's what I'm here for. I, I would kill the... I would kill that he'd be in the conversation where he's telling his wife, you know, I have to watch this. It's work. I don't think it would go over very well. <laughs> he's watching it in the middle of the night, like huddled over his laptop with headphones in, hoping no one sees. I'm watching it for the third time for a reason. I need to be ready to speak about this one. Listen, we, we need, I, I said a deep dive. I, I need, you need to compare the original to the parody and then tell us where, where they've gone wrong or right. Part of me also wonders like what an earnest Miles article about that would look like. What about porn parodies? Yeah, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know if I have any earnest things to say about them. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that years ago, he and I did joke. Do you remember this? About doing a podcast in relation to that? Oh, yeah, like way back when. Yeah, this is like a decade ago, maybe more. We had the joke of we were going to do a podcast where we reviewed pornography but we didn't realize it was pornography. Like we reviewed it as a film, like never addressing the sex, but just like, my God, the cinematography in, in Boners 12 is like atrocious. Like they, they cannot keep the eye line. Oh God. <laughs> the, the sound quality for the moaning is just clipping out all the time. They really need to, they really need to improve the fidelity there. I was, I was tickled by that idea years ago and I, I almost swear it would work. Uh Maybe not now. So if that's something that you want to listen to, please leave a comment. Yeah, right. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll find other things to obviously talk about next week. But 
for now, we'll, we'll wrap up and I will uh, just say to start looking out for some of these uh, Netflix contenders as they come out. And I'm trying to see if there's anything noteworthy next week. I think we're, we're oddly in like a calm now, which is normally how it would normally go. Normally how it would normally go. Oh my God. Steve, fix that for me. <laughs> um, around Thanksgiving, things would calm down a little bit because people, you know, would, would bounce to go like for families and, and stuff. Uh, but that's not how this goes anymore. So I have no idea what's going to happen since everyone's home. Maybe there will be, you know, um, some some drops because there's only a couple movies left to see. So I'm I'm eager to see what happens with the remaining ones. But I also we're in such a weird like holding pattern now that I I don't uh, I don't know that there's a benefit. Like I know there's there's been a uh, puzzlement on on Twitter about like. Netflix not having embargoes on some of the things that we've seen, like especially when no one's going to watch them for two months. But I don't know. I don't, I don't really care one way or the other. I enjoy watching them and it's less things to jam at the end of the year. So we'll see, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about it next week. So uh, here, if you want to uh, tell everyone where they can follow you and then recommend a movie, it doesn't have to be a Vince Vaughn movie, but feel free to make it a Vince Vaughn movie. Oh, God. Um, well, I'm going to definitely recommend Freaky. Uh, it's in theaters now. If you have theaters playing near you and feel comfortable doing that, it's um, my favorite of the year so far. And if you like comedy and you like high school movies and you like slasher movies, it's one of the best of any of those genres that I've seen recently. Um, and then, um, you know, you can find me on Twitter at Miles. Uh, on film that's m-y-l-e-s on film i'm also on instagram at marvelous miles but i never check it all right you can follow me on twitter at uh, at film snork and my movie recommendation would be wolf walkers in theaters right now but will be on apple tv plus in december if you do follow me on twitter you can find my review and my interview with the directors both pretty much spoiler free so Feel free to follow me at FilmSnork on Twitter. You can follow me at my name on all the social media stuff. You know that. There's the awards radar profiles as well. They're all up there. And uh, I'm going to say, for my recommendation, go look at the Critics' Choice documentary nominations. We, uh, I was on the nominating committee for a couple categories, and uh, I think we did an okay job. It's, it's pretty spread out. A uh, little bummed that the Taylor Swift documentary didn't get any love or the Springsteen one, but, you know, I'm only one man. And I will tease out that uh, even though it's a, a wild year for it, the Critics' Choice Association is doing the Super Awards, like genre filmmaking awards, um, which I don't know if you guys knew about that. No. Yeah, so um, the Critics' Choice Super Awards um, – a, I'm going to tell you the timeline now. I guess we're not wrapping up quite as quickly as we thought. So they, uh, it's going to uh, be given out in January. And it's going to honor superhero, science fiction, fantasy, horror, action, and animation. So some people were not thrilled that the animation got put there. Um, I agree. I think it's kind of weird that we did that. But I'm on the nominating committee for uh, sci-fi, action, and horror. So uh, it'd be kind of fun. I, I'll... Spoiler alert, I'm trying to get Freaky some nominations. Yes. Yeah, so I will, you know, I'll say, I'll say the documentary things, you should look at the nominees and and watch some of them. Like The Way I See It is a particularly great documentary. Um, Totally Under Control is a great documentary. But if you want to see something genre-ish, 
I would say to watch Spontaneous, which just hit um, DVD and I guess is home video of sorts. Um, another like in between horror sci-fi type movie, which uh, Miles, I think that should be your homework. I think you should watch Spontaneous. Yeah, it's on VOD. I have to like pay for it. It's a whole thing. But yeah, I probably will get around to yeah. it. I think I think you would quite enjoy it. I think uh, I think also, it, even, especially spe- go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was about to say, I think they'll, it would catch you as soon as someone in the movie Erwan goes, it's like a David Cronenberg movie, like moments into the movie when this starts happening. Nice. Now, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll get around to that. I also saw that, um, I, I think it's your number one. What is it? The Never Really, Sometimes Always? What is it called? Never Really, Sometimes Always, yes. Oh, did I get it right? That's amazing. Uh, it's on HBO Max Close. right now, so I'm going to try and watch that this week. Yes, and I believe if you have um, just normal cable... And you can watch it on like normal on demand. Like if you go to like HBO's like VOD service, I think it's one of the free options as well. Because I I almost revisited it while I was exercising, and then I realized that's not the movie I want to like half watch while I'm right. like biking. Then you can you can visit the the lightweight version on Pregnant, uh, similar vein. Sort of, but not really. Uh, yes and no. I I it's definitely lighter. Unpregnant's good as well. Um, they'd be an interesting double feature, considering they're they're both about things that will presumably no longer be a right within a year. But we don't have to get upset about ourselves about that right now. That's uh, that's for another podcast. We just finished a, a series of podcasts where we were anxious and angry about politics. Yeah, I'm positive now. Yeah, sure. Why not? Right. Uh, yeah. So uh, read the site, obviously, and uh, there'll be some reviews. Up this week, uh, we're covering Doc NYC. Shane's doing some of those. I got one that I uh, should have up in a day or two. And uh, yeah, some updated predictions, some interviews. Um, I think uh, I have either, I think my Dick Johnson one, like Christian Johnson, should go up this week, possibly. Um, really good. That's the one I hinted at last week with the uh, How Do You Want to Die routine. So we'll get that one up so you guys can discuss that. Since uh, Miles and uh, and Steve and even Max last week did uh, detail how they want to die. Uh, oh yeah, that to which weird alien abduction thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't feel great about. Yeah, that yeah. Anymore. Would you like to change your answer? Not yet. I'll think about it. <laughs> Just every week we how do how do we want to die? What an odd bit we'd have. But uh, we'll we'll figure it out. So in the meantime, go watch the movies if you're interested in uh, Freaky or Brawl and Cell Block Ninety Nine or. Or swingers, those are those are options. Otherwise, uh, other things that we recommended, go for it. Or uh, you know, something new. Go figure. I mean, if you're if you want to see Tenant and you're available, that go figure. I mean, that's coming the Blu-ray next month, so that's when I'm gonna see it. But you know, you could rent out a theater for a hundred bucks and see it. I guess. So we'll see. But in the meantime, go have fun. We will talk to you guys next week. Take care and uh, stay safe. Wear a mask. See ya. Bye, guys. Stay safe.